Welcome to another special episode of the Dumbbells and Dragons podcast, everyone. This episode is a special panel episode in which I brought in blogger Rachel Bolin, good friend of mine, Joel Chorney. You guys have heard of him. We uh, we make fun of him often on the podcast. And then also previous guest and cosplayer extraordinaire, Rowan Rain. Um, and we're talking about the first half of Luke Cage. So if you have not watched at least the first four or five episodes... Spoiler alert now, turn it off, come back when you finish fi- episode 5, um, and other than that, we're going to finish off the, se- uh, the season, the series, next week with the second half uh, recaps. So other than that, work out, nerd out. In the basement, rolling dice, rolling dice, I'm a wizard, when we play we do it right, candles flicker, fighting dragons in my mind, in my mind, just for kicks, DM says you're gonna die, roll a D6, roll a D6, roll a D6. Hey dragons, welcome to another special episode of the Dumbos and Dragons podcast. Today I have a very amazing panel of guests and we are going to talk about the first half of Luke Cage on Netflix. Our esteemed panelists today are Rachel Bolin. Say hi, Rachel. Hi, everyone. And I want to say my second return guest, cosplayer Rowan Rain. Hello. And then... You've all heard his name said on the podcast. He has been the butt of many jokes, but for the first time, Joel Chorney, our expert in um, spoiler rules. Hey, everybody. Dragon, happy to be here. Yay, we're happy to have you, Joel. Um, Joel is notorious for getting mad at me for whenever anything is spoiled because I have a solid three-day rule. And he thinks things shouldn't be spoiled until he sees them. Which could be okay. years later. So are we going to actually discuss this, or do I just have to take that? Uh, um, no, we're not going to discuss it. You just yeah. have to take it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess it is your show, Kenny. I know. My show, I make the rules. But I do accept all sorts of feedback. Anyways. Um, st- <laughs> Here's some feedback. That's not the rule. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So starting really quick. Um, let's talk about current events briefly. What did, Rowan, what did you do to work out Nerd Out this week? Uh, workout wise, I lifted weights five days this week and actually hit 160 pounds squat PR, which was pretty sweet. That's awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. And to Nerd Out, I watched all of Luke Cage <laughs> this weekend and did not leave my apartment. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, Rachel, what did you do? Uh, Workout, not so much this week. (laughs) Um, Nerd out, I binge-watched four episodes yesterday of Luke Cage, and I watched one today. So I'm up through episode five. All right. And Joel. Joel, our planking expert. Uh, Yeah, for my my workout, I did another four-minute plank. It's now my standard go-to length of planking. And uh, I made sure to uh, be on the elliptical for some of my binging. Uh, but <laughs> I binged. I binged. I'm almost done with season one of Supergirl. I pretty much watched that in the course of this week. And then I got my four episodes of Luke Cage in to be able to talk about it with you guys today. Excellent. Excellent. And my workout was I, I 
forewent my normal routine of watching three hours of pre-football coverage, um, and I went to the gym, and so that was awesome. And then my nerd out is last Thursday, I went to the Magic Castle, which is a really awesome place in Hollywood, California, that's just a giant castle where a bunch of magicians do a bunch of really awesome tricks, and I have been just, like, freaking out about that for the past four days. This is amazing. Um, and then I watched uh, eight episodes of Luke Cage, so we're all good to go. So... Just for everyone's knowledge, we are not going to talk about anything past episode six. Um, uh, you, mean, you mean four, right? You mean four, Kenny. Well, sure. Four. <laughs> Otherwise, it's a very cruel joke to bring the guy who's got spoiler issues on your show only having watched four episodes. Very cruel. Well, I did say four to six. <laughs> We're going to talk about the first half of the season. So, once we get through episode four, Joel, you can either disconnect or earmuffs. Oh. I'm not going to rob the listeners of amazing content because you're a <laughs> All right. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll see how we do. All right. Speaking of, Joel, you texted me while you were binging and you were like, does this get better? So, <laughs> so, what are your initial reactions to the first four episodes of Luke Cage? Okay, so first of all, it does get better. <laughs> as Dan Savage says, it does get better. Uh, you know, I see what the, I see what Marvel's doing. They're, 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 they're trying to take a different approach with the origin story. And we don't really get much of origin story until we start going into episodes three and four. The problem is that one and two set up the drama for the season in two episodes when they could have easily done it in one episode. That's my big problem. The pacing of those first two episodes is kind of slow. Okay. I, I kind of agree with you on that. I was kind of doing other things while I was watching the first two episodes. It didn't really capture my attention a whole lot. Rowan, what'd you think? Um, honestly, I was hooked from the second it started, if I'm being honest. Um, I think the acting was super well done. I know the backstory, so I guess it probably made it a little easier because I wasn't sitting there thinking like, oh my God, how did he get like this? What's going on? Um, but... I know a lot of people thought it started out slow. I didn't really. I, I, I thought Daredevil started out slower than this did, personally. Okay, interesting. Yeah, I, I can totally see that. The and and I'd get that if if I I did not do much looking into Luke Cage's backstory before watching the show. Um, and I think that it's a fair fair assumption that people are coming into the show with not a lot of knowledge about Luke yeah. Cage. I and agree. so I agree. I, and, and so the show really needs to cater to that audience if the idea is to ex, ex, extend their properties and their following. Um, and I think they get there. I mean, episodes three and four definitely satisfy those needs. Mm -hmm. But the problem is if you don't have people who are either committed to watching four episodes before the weekend end <laughs> or people who are not, uh, kind of on the fence about watching the show, they might not get past the first two episodes. Like, nah, this is not for me. And they miss out on the show. Okay, it's possible. Rachel, what do you think? So I do agree with you and Joel that the first two episodes were slow, um, and I was also doing other things. And until the, 
until the end of the second episode when everything goes to hell, um, it, it didn't really capture my attention. I guess I do disagree with Joel a little bit because I I was going to be in it for the long haul anyway because I had already liked the, the character from Jessica Jones. And mm. I was... I remembered him so well and so fondly from Jessica Jones that I was sort of like, okay, well, I figure they're going to tell me eventually what's going to happen. Um, and I, I think a lot of people who are watching these shows are watching them because they've watched the previous one. And they're like, oh, well, you know, we watched Daredevil, we watched Jessica Jones, now we're watch- watching Luke Cage. So I hope that the viewers are coming at it from that perspective where they already know a little bit about him and they're they're staying invested. But I do agree that it, the first episode was slow, to say the least. Oh, and, and sure, certainly I'm sure there's lots of viewers who are going to persevere regardless. I just think shame on Marvel for just counting on that. They should be striving to make the show watchable for people who haven't watched Jessica Jones. I mean, That's I fair. wouldn't I wouldn't come into the show without having watched Jessica Jones, which, by the way, I loved. Um, but I think it should be fair for you to come into the show not having watched that and still be able to appreciate it. I would agree. I think that's what most television shows should aim for, is you're always trying to get another viewer, um, obviously, because you always want to increase your numbers. However, what I would say is, while I thought episode three was incredible, and it's probably one of my favorite episodes so far, um, in terms of acting, story, pacing, um, action... I didn't need an origin story. Agreed. I, like, I accept the fact that Luke Cage is very strong and bulletproof, and I don't care how it happened, because it's an accident, he got bit by a bulletproof spider, or, (laughs) you know, um, (laughs) you know, he got, he got... His skin was dipped in adamantium. I don't know. I don't care. All I know is he's a badass, and yep. that's why I'm watching this show. Okay, but, you know, for me, the origin story that matters is not so much how he got his powers. It's why does he have this giant chip on his shoulder? Why is he hanging – why is he um, uh, keeping his head down? Right. And and that, I think, was very important because it's once we know what he's gone through and how he got to be quite literally Luke Cage – instead of Carl Lucas, that's when suddenly he seems like a compelling character. Because before that, he just seems really moody. And and uh, and so I was having a hard time connecting with him as a character until I, I learned where he was coming from. I, I agree with Joel, because I think that in... I think Luke Cage has a great origin story in that it's not just about him getting his powers. It is about this whole backstory. And I could be wrong, but I don't even think in the, in the episode we ever learned what he's actually in jail for. We just hear these references to trusting the wrong people and, you know, getting mixed up in something. Um, but seeing that side of him, you, you know that obviously he's gone through some crap, something has happened to him and you watch him progress through his time in, in prison, which I thought was helpful to learn more about him as a character more than actually even the superpower part of it. Yeah. I would say in that case, that is a very good, point we're not really concerned with his powers we're more concerned with why he is the way he is and more to Joel's point I think they kind of covered that in Jessica Jones at least briefly really yeah. briefly though his wife dying for yeah. for one yeah. thing and I guess like to me 
I don't think a couple episodes in is too long to kind of get the backstory of why he has a chip on his shoulder. I don't know that, like, I felt the need one episode in to be like, why is this guy like this? I think that, you know, two, three episodes in, you find out the stuff about um, Reva and the prison and everything. And I think that that it got covered fairly well. I guess my critique is similar to what it was for season one of Daredevil, which is that the, for at least in my humble opinion, that season of Daredevil doesn't get really good until we see Kingpin. And the best part of the season is Wilson Fisk and his drama. Yeah. And so it feels like with Luke Cage, even though the, the show's called Luke Cage, the first two episodes feel more like it's the show about Cottonmouth. We're learning a yeah. this criminal enterprise, and it just seems like uh, another gangster story. You know, from watching Jessica Jones, is super strong. But there's not much being done with him in the episodes. So if you tune in to it, think, I'm going to watch Luke Cage. You're not going to get that for the first two episodes, basically. I, I had a similar thought. I had a similar thought somewhere, I think, in like toward the end of season, episode two or episode beginning of episode three. I thought, I really wish that there was more Luke Cage in the Luke Cage series. Um, yeah. I just... I just wanted to see him all the time. So I, that's one of the reasons that I appreciated the origin episode, the origin story episode was because Mm -hmm. I just wanted to know more about him. Yeah. And let's face it. The guy, the guy is, 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 is very pleasing on screen. So let's just have more of that. Oh, is he? I I didn't notice. (laughs) Is is he good looking? Um, Yeah. He does. Okay. On screen. (laughs) So I, I, I do love, Coulter, Mike Coulter, as uh, Luke Cage. But... <laughs> I think Thanks. we're all in agreement there. <laughs> okay, can we just can we take a moment and say he could have done so much better than Jessica Jones? What do you mean? I'm just saying that it, w- between the two of them, sh- she's doing better than he is in that relationship. Oh, you're saying that she's the Reacher, he's the Settler? Correct. That's very mean to, uh, to, oh my god, what's her name? Kristen Ritter. Kristen Ritter. Yeah, she's well, great. I kind of agree. I love Kristen Ritter, but I, I mean, I, but I think anyone in the relationship with that guy is going to be the future. <laughs> um, yeah, I tend to, I tend to agree with that. The, that being said, Jessica Jones is probably one of my favorite characters ever. Oh yeah, she's great. That's, Interesting. I just, I didn't like Kristen Ritter until that show. And I will say, Carrie Ann Moss is still super sexy. So her getting together with Luke Cage would be kind of cool, too. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think that's going to happen in this show, but okay, Kenny. Yeah, I think they they set it up pretty well for that to never happen. (laughs) Um, Or, you know, because he made an appearance, Foggy could get together with Jessica Jones. Ah. No, how dare you? No. <laughs> no, she's so much. Yeah, no, absolutely no. not. But Foggy's a nice guy. No, oh, please. Okay. Um, He's obnoxious. Oh, haters, haters, all yeah. the haters. Okay, so I do have one question. As much as we all like Mike Coulter, I remember a few years ago, Isaiah Mustafa was kind of trying to get the role of Luke Cage. Do we think Isaiah Mustafa would have fit into the role of Luke Cage? I don't know who that is. I don't either. I'm Googling it right now. The Old Spice guy? Not Terry Crews? 
Mm, oh, this guy. Um, I don't. We'll see. I don't know because I don't know that I've ever really seen him act in something serious. He's done a lot of comedies. I think his body would work. Yeah, but but Mike Coulter has the attitude too. Yeah, to me, I found him having the attitude more than I found him having the looks, honestly. Okay. Because if you read the comic books, he is much bigger than what Luke Cage of the TV show is. I'm curious about that. (laughs) Like, oh, he's, I mean next to a regular person like just a normal like regular guy like he doesn't even look human where like this guy Mike Coulter looks just like he looks like a football player he's a big guy but he doesn't look superhuman in the comic books Luke Cage looks superhuman okay that's fair speaking of the original Luke Cage in the comic books um did anyone else know or catch the homage to the original Luke Cage Oh, yeah, it was awesome. The tiara and the bracers? The tiara and the, uh... And the yellow shirt. And the yellow shirt. Yep. And, yeah. yeah, and when he when he looked in the mirror and said, like, you look like a you damn look... fool. <laughs> that was great. Yeah, it was. That was pretty sweet throwback. And I like the sweet Christmases sprinkled in every now and then. It wasn't overused, but it definitely gave fan service, which was great. Yeah. Um, do you, is, so I, like I said, I didn't read the comics. So is Sweet Christmas just something that he usually says? Yeah, that's, that's a catchphrase. Okay. So I haven't read the old ones. I've read the, um, Power Man and Iron Fist. Okay. But, so I only caught one or two Sweet Christmases in the first few episodes. Mm-hmm. Right? I think the I think the first time he says it is when he realizes he can break through that wall. Okay. Yeah. It's the, it's the first time is episode four. I think you're right. Okay. I like that. So it's, it's, it's like that. They, and there's a pause and they look, the camera pans right into his face. So even if you don't realize it's one of those catchphrases, they do a good, Hey, this is an important catchphrase he's about to say. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Rowan, did you catch any other Easter eggs? In those first few episodes? In the first two, few episodes? Um, I did not, but like I said, I have not read the original Luke Cage yeah. books. Wow. You know what I appreciated is that Marvel is being very conscious about their, uh, it's not their cinematic universe, their, their Netflix universe, uh, because they have Conmouth talking about what happened with Fisk. Mm-hmm. And so there's rare repercussions, even though that's Hell's Kitchen and this is Harlem, that we're to understand that this is having a, a an effect all throughout the city. What happens in Daredevil matters and what happens in Luke Cage and so on, which is pretty cool. And there's, I, I won't say what it is, but there's a reference in episode five to the incident and something arising from that, which we all know is the Avengers incident. Um, Sweet. <laughs> right. So I, they do a good job of connecting all of that. Yeah, I agree. And also, uh, when Scarf is talking about uh, unless he gets a magic hammer, <laughs> unless his gun turns into a magic hammer, his job oh, is pointless. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, and it's it's those little asides or lines 
um, that really make it a cohesive universe. And I, I find it interesting that people are still getting shocked. Like Misty still, still seemed shocked that Luke Cage had bullet holes in his shirt, but wasn't bleeding. And I was like, wouldn't you at some point after, you know, years of knowing that mutants and superheroes are among you just kind of be like, okay, my deductive reasoning says you got shot, but didn't get shot, but you're probably a mutant or something. Yeah. Especially if you live in New York city, I mean, you're in the epicenter of the incident. It would be different if you lived in Kansas or something, you know, where that just happens on TV. Yes, agreed. But you're there. Like, <laughs> this should not be that surprising to you anymore. Yeah, that that reaction didn't really work for me for those reasons. It was like, well, you know, at this point, this is a few years after everything's happened. Like, everyone's just sort of accepted it. And even, like, again, I, I'm not, I'm not going to spoil it for Joel, but, like, in episode five, when, um, when Cottonmouth is talking to... Uh, the character whose name I don't remember, who's from Sons of Anarchy, about this thing that has to Shades. do with the incident. Oh, Shades. Yeah, Shades. There's like, there's no surprise there. They're talking about, you know, something perhaps, you know, being alien, and they're not, they're not stunned about it. And to contrast that with, you know, somebody being so shocked, like, what? Someone could have super, superhuman strength? This is brand new information. I was like, really? That's true. Yeah. I also thought it was funny uh, in the end of episode four when uh, uh, Connie, which, by the way, I love the name of a restaurant, Genghis Connie. That just makes me really happy. Uh, uh, when she tells him that when they get out, he's going to have to explain how he's doing all this. I'm thinking, first of all, he doesn't have to explain anything to you, Connie. He's rescuing you out of a collapsed building. You're not in a position to make demands, first of all. And secondly, come on. You have to have a sense of how he's doing this. Like – he is, yeah. I mean, you just kind of have to go with it at some point. Especially, I do want to point out that it makes perfect sense for people to be talking about what's going on with Daredevil and Jessica Jones in Hell's Kitchen. Because it's six miles away from Harlem. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, like you could walk there. I'm, right. I'm, <laughs> like, I, I always found that funny... That, like, Daredevil was in this, like, I don't know, what, 10-block area? And meanwhile, you've got the Fantastic Four and Spider-Man and everyone else taking care of all of New York or all of Manhattan. <laughs> I'm like, come on, Daredevil, expand your horizons. <laughs> okay, but someone someone pointed out on my Facebook feed really accurately that the Defenders is, is very skewed because you've got... A guy who's bulletproof, a woman who's got super strength, uh, a guy who's got is uh, the reincarnation of a kung fu or ninja master, and then you got another guy who's kind of blind but not really. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, he, if we if we go with the premise that he's he's uh, specially abled, he's doing pretty well for that ten block radius. True. True. <laughs> Okay, I'll take that. Um, <laughs> let's let's talk about villains because I love villains. Villains are my favorite, um, and I love Cottonmouth. Ugh. I uh, what? I what, hate you, him. You mean Remy Danton? 
Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, I, I love the actor, and I think that he is doing such, like, a great job of making a villain that I hate. Yeah. Does that make sense? It does. It does. Like, he wa- he played the role perfectly. I was outraged all the time, almost every time he came on screen. <laughs> Yeah, he's quite despicable, that's for sure. My, Though Mariah is pretty questionable as well. See, I, like, I, in, in, the, in the world of those two villains, I think Mariah is a much more horrible villain, but yes. also a much more, um, I understand her villainy more. Like, it seems that Mariah wants to do... She's doing what she's doing for the betterment of Harlem. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, Mm. villains in the eyes of villain... Like, a villain doesn't see themselves as the villain. Sure. They are, like, through their own eyes, they're the hero. So, she is trying to make Harlem better by any means necessary. Whereas... Cottonmouth, I just think he's all about money. money. And I'm but, like, I just think that's a weak, a weak motivator. But she, she, she does want to make Harlem better, but she also wants to do it and get recognition and applause for it. And she's not doing this selflessly. You know, they have that conversation about, you know, what's going to last longer, reputation or money. And, and yes, in a way she, she does want to improve the community, but she wants everyone to know that she's doing it. Right. She wants it to be, you know, her thing. She wants to get applause for it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you're saying it's more about, essentially, Cottonmouth wants to just be rich, and Mariah wants to be significant. I think it's just a different vice. I think her vice is pride. I think his is greed. Do you so know- you- oh, go ahead, Joel. So what I noticed what I'm seeing in this first four episodes is a very uh, distinct and clear theme or homage or throwback to a very particular kind of movie or TV show. I think you have things on the, the, the line of Superfly and Shaft and so on. And it's it's really looking at the inner city workings. And there, in those kinds of movies, the bad guys were the drug pushers and the pimps. And it was the one black man who would stand up against that establishment who was the hero. We're very much getting that here with Luke Cage. But Cottonmouth is like the absolute perfect encapsulation of the evils of the inner city, of the urban scene. He's all about pushing the vices and the guns and the violence and the money. And Mariah, I think, is kind of like, for lack of a better word, like an Uncle Tom kind of character. She's still exploiting the community for her ends, but under the guise of, of, of helping the community, but it's false. It's really right. for her own edification. Um, but if I had to say who the villain is in, in this story, it's, it's, um, it's, um, black stereotype is the villain. And you know that whenever Luke Cage gets called the N word and he really dislikes that, Mm-hmm. Or when uh, the lady in the first episode is talking about the fact that he's working and there ain't nothing wrong with that. Black oh, man yeah. working. 
And that's re- I think that's really the villain of the story is all these stereotypes that it's marginalized true. black people. No, you're you're absolutely right. And without spoiling it at all, like it get, it's it's there is a political vibe to the entire show that just gets more and more noticeable as the story goes on. Which I don't mind. I like I like the, I love the message. Yeah, I, I like the message. I think it's mm-hmm. very powerful to have a a positive role model who d- refuses to let people call him the N word. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is all very good, um, and I I can't wait to see what happens with the future episodes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, what I what I wanted to to mention about Mariah is there's another villain that I kind of relate her to that's not in the comic book world but she seems very walter white to me Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like walter white was all about a man's struggle for significance he wanted to be remembered he wanted to do something great even if it was just for his family and i see mariah having a lot of those same characteristics I I'd have to disagree with you there, Kenny. I don't okay. I don't see a lot of Walter White and her because well I mean we could talk for a whole another hour about Breaking Bad, but <laughs> Walter White I was you know he his his story well I mean for one thing his story was one of change of transformation and maybe Mariah was different when she started out but we're coming into her character where she's already at that point where you know she is is doing this for the wrong reasons sort of thing and I think with Walter White, there was a a whole period of time where he convinced himself he was doing this to survive. He, you know, the ends justifies the means type thing. Like, it's fine to, to deal drugs and do this if it's going to mean that I'm going to survive, my family's going to be okay, whatever, whatever. And then he slowly, like, descends into, you know, his in- insanity and his, you know, when he becomes a, a you know, whatever, a criminal mastermind. So I think that's, I don't see a lot of her, him and her for those reasons because and maybe it's just because we saw his entire arc and we're not seeing like her her origin stories yeah I, I I'd say Mariah is more like more a character sticking with the Marvel Universe kind of like Loki in the Avengers which is you think she's calling the shots it looks like she's calling the shots but then a bigger force more powerful force is really calling the shots and she I, I expect she's gonna get swallowed up whole at some point in this episode, in the series where you know she backed the wrong horse or she thought she she thought someone had her back and that's not at all the case she's an ends to a means and not the other way around but she thinks I she's, feel like she's... I have to remain quiet totally <laughs> Joel you should you should watch a few more episodes today okay. yeah <laughs> oh well, that's, you know, I guess that's the risk I'm taking, talking without having watched the rest of the show. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, that's, that's totally cool. Um, but I loved what you said about the 70s themes. And because one of the things that is just, I, I noticed right off the bat with this show was the music. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the music's quite prominent. And, and I really enjoyed the two big scenes with the musicians in the club, Harlem Paradise, uh, just really good soulful music. The cinematography is neat. The colors. Um, well, and it's just, it's 
the music is, like you were saying, it's very reminiscent of 70s movies. You know, it's it's definitely got that that type of feel to it. Yeah, yeah I'm sure I'm sure it's intentional that they're trying to to do a throwback to those other source materials. Well, one of the things that I think Marvel does extremely well is and they're doing this in the cinematic universe as well um is that every movie every movie is a different style of movie absolutely and so every netflix show has been a different style of show this is very 70s the music is just out there it's like in your face um they have they have the people performing in the show showing you that the music is in your face and then you have you have Jessica Jones which was very noir and very dark and amazing and then you've got your standard action courtroom type drama show with uh, Daredevil hmm. so props to Marvel is what I'm saying <laughs> yeah no Marvel's doing a good job I also I think that Marvel is trying to break down some barriers that, that uh, the comic book industry has had for a long time. Because let's face it, the, the, the standard comic book fan is white and male. Yes. And so I think they're they're very consciously trying to attract a new audience. With Jessica Jones, they, they have themes that resonate with with women's issues a little bit more than, th- than we see in other places. Here we're seeing a black perspective on, on the superhero and, and the world of crime. Um, I think Daredevil was more your standard fare, but yeah, I, I definitely see it as a conscious effort to bring new, new kinds of people into the fold. Or at least tell stories from their perspective. Right. I think, I think it's a move. I think it, it's both to draw in new, um, people with an interest in comics, but I also think Marvel has pushed the boundaries of issues for a really long time. I mean, they created the first gay character in the seventies. And I think that they take relevant issues and bring them to light. And I totally applaud them for that. Yeah. They're doing a good, they're doing a good thing with the way they're doing the shows for sure. Like they have a platform, they have a voice and I have already seen backlash about Luke Cage and they don't care. They knew they would get backlash for a show like this. They know that they're, it's going to bring racist assholes out of the woodwork and people are going to comment on it. They knew that. They didn't care. Yeah. They did it anyways, yeah. and I respect that. When you say backlash, do you mean like actual critical backlash or do you mean like people on Facebook posting like fans. stupid stuff? I haven't oh, seen anything critical, but like fans. I I read um, I read some reviews on like IMDb and someone gave it a one star because they watched the first 20 minutes and they didn't see any white people on the show. Well, it's set in Harlem wow. and it's set wow. in the inner city of Harlem. So like, oh my goodness. and welcome to the way minorities have felt in film for most wow. of forever. Right. You Why still, do you, you need see- to see a white person to enjoy something? Like that's <laughs> right. See, I, I, Whatever. I, actually, I actually did have the thought. After watching the first episode, I think the only white person you see is uh, Detective Scarf. 
and, and you know, spo- it's not a spoiler that happened in the first four episodes. He's not a good guy. Right. <laughs> yeah. right. You know, but but I didn't remember thinking, huh, I haven't seen any white people. And I thought, that's so cool. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, I know. It just goes to show you how different people go into watching yeah. a show like that. Yeah, you bring you bring your own your own baggage into it, I think. Yeah. Well, and and I just want to say that two of my favorite Netflix shows right now are this and The Get Down. I've heard good things. The Get Down is incredible. Um and all predominantly minority casts and I mean it just goes to show you like with Star Wars The Force Awakens, female leads can make good movies, can make well, profitable yeah. movies. Um, minority leads can make good TV shows. Get mm-hmm. down. Um, what, what are we talking about? Luke Cage. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, so it's I. I do think that Marvel is going to go ahead and do what they want to do. Mm-hmm. And you know what? For a majority of fans, as long as they're I don't want to say true to the source material, but I want to say true to the characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. None of the non-racist fans are going to care. Correct. Um, and I'm pretty sure Marvel would be like, look, if you're not going to like Luke Cage because it's about a black guy, then don't read Luke Cage. <laughs> I'm sure they would actually probably say, don't read the rest of our stuff either. Yeah, yeah they've taken pretty strong stances on stuff like that in the past. Well, you saw, you know what happened with Iron Man. Not, I'm sorry, not Iron Man, Captain America oh, God, recently. No. Yeah, we, we don't have to talk about that. I know everyone's going to just lose their shit when um, Falcon Sam takes over after Infinity Wars. Yes. Yeah. Yes, they are. And I'm going to be like, I don't care. I'm going to see the next Captain America featuring Falcon Sam like 12 times. Take my money. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I'll be like, guess what? For every person that says they're not going to go see a black Captain America, I'll go see the movie twice. Mm Mm-hmm. So, you're gonna end up. You're gonna end up seeing that movie a lot of times, Kenny. <laughs> if I have to start a GoFundMe for it, I will. I'll be like, "Hey, um, work. I need to take a Wednesday off because I've got to go sit through eight showings of <laughs> Captain America Four. <sighs> oh, on. Go ahead. Uh, so, you know, actually, I, t- I mentioned Shaft, I mentioned uh, Superfly, but when I watched the first episode, the the show, the movie I thought of originally was The Meteor Man. Has anyone else on this call seen that movie? No. No. Oh, my God. So, do yourselves a favor, dragons. Find The Meteor Man. It's a movie by Peter Townsend. Uh, it's a 1993 movie. It's about a, a, a teacher in Washington, D.C. who gets hit by a meteor. And he gets superpowers, and he uses them to fight the drug gang that's crippling his neighborhood. Okay. And it's so cheesy. It's so hokey. It is clearly um, an homage to Superfly and everything. But I'm watching Luke Cage and thinking, oh, this this couldn't have existed without the Meteor Man. It's it's a super (laughs) obscure thing. It's 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 really cheesy. It's got James Earl Jones in it, Eddie Griffin's in it. Fairly good cast. Anyway. I'd okay. throw that out there. All right. Meteor Man, everybody. Check it. The Meteor Man. <laughs> and it's a comedy. Okay. Um, so, Joel, 
what are you hoping from this? Well, you haven't gotten to halfway, so what are you <laughs> hoping for for the last two-thirds of the season? Well, I want I want a few more uh, Easter eggs for the other the other shows, Jessica Jones and Daredevil, because I'm a big fan of Easter eggs. Love them. Uh, I know Rosario Which is Dawson. It's funny because you're Jewish. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I, what, what should we call them? matzo balls? <laughs> uh, you're welcome. I totally derailed your thought. Or I just lost the connection with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hope you did. I, I hope he's just ignoring you. <laughs> nope, nope. That call was definitely dropped. Sorry, Joel. Okay, what? Um, we'll call him back. It's okay. <laughs> uh, Bolin, what are you hoping for the last um, part of the season? Last half um, of the season. So I, oh, I want more Luke Cage in the episodes. Um, <laughs> I, I really just want to watch him like beat people up. That's all I want to do. I just, you know, I. That's that's just all I want, you know. And I would love to see him like throw cotton mouth off a building or something, which is probably not going to happen because I don't, you know, I don't I don't know what his view is on killing. If he's like going to be one of those superheroes, it's like ah, I don't want to throw him off the building. I'll send him to jail instead. But um, that's what I would like to see. Okay, I like it. I like it. Uh, Rowan, what about you? Well, you've already watched oh. it, so so when, <laughs> see, that's when... the thing. Like, I feel like I'm going to have so much more to say when everyone is finished because now I'm just super cautious it's hard for me to really remember what happened in the first four episodes and be sure that they were in the first four episodes only so I don't want to like comment and be like oh nope that actually happened in the eighth episode whoops Yeah, and I personally didn't watch more than the first four because I thought that's what we agreed on, and I didn't want to have to feel that way. <laughs> well, if somebody had read the emails, we said aim for six, but four <laughs> is the minimum. You said four was okay. Correct, as the minimum. No, minimum. we said four. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, I got cut off, but I, I'm I'm hoping that we're going to see some real badass action from Mr. Cage. And I'd like to see him be mad about being called the N-word at least five more times before the show's the season's over. Because uh, I'm waiting for him to for him to just lose it. Be like, I said, do not call me. And just he just goes nuts. That's what I'm hoping to see. Did that's the third ep- or the second episode? Third. Where, third right? episode. Where or is he, it second? Second or third, where he gets angry at the kids. It's in the second. Park. It's second. That's okay. a second. Uh, but then there's a there, it happens in the prison too in the flashback. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Okay. Um, Joel, do you have any? It's two thirty. I said I was gonna let you guys go at two thirty. School's out. Um, <laughs> do you have any closing comments, buddy? Um, if if you're listening to this and you're trying to decide whether or not to give give it a shot barrel through the first two episodes. The third one is great. My rule for any show is I don't write it off until I've watched the first three episodes, and Luke Cage does not disappoint. You give it three episodes, you're going to want to know what happens next. Alright, excellent. And Rowan, how about you? Um, Yeah, I have to agree with Joel. It definitely... For me, I personally said I liked it from off the bat, but I have heard a lot of people that said the first couple episodes didn't hold the hold their attention. 
give it another shot because it's a hundred percent worth it. I watched it in the first weekend and it did not disappoint at all. All right. And Rachel. Um, I mean, I echo those sentiments. I think everyone should definitely give it a shot um, and definitely stick it out. Um, and don't let Kenny bully you into watching more episodes than you're able to. <laughs> if you can't binge watch it, it's okay. It's going to be on Netflix forever. So just take your time with it. It's going to be on Netflix as long as streaming is an appropriate uh, format in which we digest media. It's going to be on Netflix <laughs> until... The world ends, which may or may not happen in November. So watch it for <laughs> November. Oh, can we talk about that for a second? Luke Cage and how what he would do with Trump? Oh, <laughs> God. We're, we're, we're oh. not I, – I am not going to get political on my podcast. <laughs> okay, Fine. sorry. I apologize. I apologize. Uh, not a problem. Did, did – I have one last question for you guys before I let you go. Were there any oh, my God moments? Actually, so I was really surprised that they killed Pop so early. Yeah. Like, I, oh, I, yeah. I didn't think they were going to do that. And then, like, w- when the place starts getting shot up, I was like, well, okay, I guess Luke has to save everyone, right? And then Pop dies, and I'm like, what the hell, man? <laughs> that really upset me. And I I love Frankie Faison. He is such a great actor, and he was amazing in Banshee, if anyone's seen that show. That show's brilliant. Um... Anybody else? Any oh my gosh moments? Uh, not until later on. Yeah, Joel. Any any for you? Well, for me, though, his hair and beard in episode four when he just really doesn't grow out. Like that's a look. That was an oh my god. If you were walking around with that, man, it was (laughs) that was pretty crazy. Okay. Um, I was impressed um, by that. My OMG moment comes, I'm not going to say what it is, but it comes in episode six. So everyone be look, if you, if you haven't gotten to episode six yet, um, be on the lookout for that. It's pretty OMG worthy. And other than that, we will catch you all next week um, for the final uh, recap of the episodes and our final reactions, and hopefully everybody will finish the series by then. Joel, I can do that. <laughs> I can do that. All right, dragons. Thanks for uh, listening again. You know the usual. Follow us on Twitter and all that other good stuff at Dumbbells Dragon, and we will catch you next week. Bye. Can I talk one more thing, Kenny? Wait. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. One more. One more thing. So um, weekly recaps are starting in Westworld on Tuesday. I don't know when you're releasing this. Um, if you release it after Tuesday, go check those out. If you haven't watched Westworld yet, it's going to be on HBO Go, obviously. It's going to be awesome. It's getting amazing oh, reviews. So join I'm, us for I'm this super excited. saga. Yeah, and it's going to be great. And that reminds me, everyone, if you want to throw out some plugs, uh, Rachel, start with you. Where can people find you on social? Never mind. Rough. Oh, uh, I'm on Twitter at... <laughs> You're on Twitter at what? Rachel Loves TV. Okay, Joel? I'm on Twitter at JMC591. All right, Rowan, where can we where can we find you? I'm really inactive on Twitter, so you can find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash Rowan Rain. Awesome. And you get to see her amazing cosplay. Yeah, she is check the, it out. She is the second sexiest Loki behind Tom Hiddleston. 
You know I what? Have, I, I will was take very that impressed. because he is a very sexy Loki. <laughs> oh my goodness. I was, I, was, I was very impressed by your Loki, Rowan. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So, all right, dragons. On that note, work out, nerd out. We'll catch you on the next one. Bye, guys. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Dumbbells and Dragons podcast. Please leave us a review on iTunes as well as a rating. We would definitely appreciate it. And while you're at it, follow us on all social media at Dumbbells Dragon. That includes Pinterest, Tumblr, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Periscope, and Snapchat. Until next time, work out, nerd out.